Welcome everyone. We are so glad you're here because you have joined us today on a very, very special day. Today is the one year anniversary of the opening of our Jamestown location. They are one year old. Could you help me in wishing them a happy birthday? Come on. Yeah. One year. Amazing to me that it's been that long already and the lives that have been changed and the best is still yet to come. I'm so grateful for Pastor Brian Marston, our campus pastor there and the terrific staff and even more terrific group of volunteers that do all that they do to help create environments for people that are far from God to take their next step in getting to know God's purpose for their life and heaven will only tell us the great things that are being done there. But we're so excited, one year old. Oh my goodness, that's awesome. So we celebrate that today at all of our locations and I welcome all of you at all of our locations and those of you that are joining us online because we are in the middle of a series that we've been calling Personal. And in the first couple of weeks, we've been talking about how our faith is a personal thing, but it doesn't mean it's private. And in week one, we talked about how it's important for us to take the purpose in our lives and connect it to the people in our lives. So connect your purpose to your people. And last week, week two, we discovered the importance and the power of finding common ground with the people that God has put in your life and put you in their lives. That common ground opens up opportunities for you to influence them, for them to influence you, and for God to do great things. So we're going to continue today, and we're going to continue by touching on some culturally hot topics, okay? I'm talking about stuff that you just mostly try to avoid, topics that you don't talk about. That's why we're going to talk about them, right? The stuff that divides friends when the subject comes up, the stuff that causes family fights, you just don't want to go there, the stuff that makes Christians get a little weird and can often repel and send non-Christians running you know, from conversations, especially when it happens in, in church-type context. We're talking about stuff that as soon as you hear me mention it, you're probably, some people, somebody's going to pucker a little bit. I mean, it's going to... You know, what's it going to say? What's it going to say? What's it going to... So let's just go there. You ready? Politics. You see what I'm saying? Did you feel that? It's just a little bit of oxygen. You got sucked right out of the room. Just like, oh, here he goes. Here we go. Yep, yep. Politics. Why does that make us so weird? Why, why, why are we so freaked out by the conversation of politics? And especially now, like now more than ever. I'm sure it's always been that way to some degree, but it's just so, it's kind of funny how divisive it is and then sad at the same time. It's just people get all bent out of shape and you're probably, what is he going to say? And I'm just, I just wanted to make it clear that that is a topic. That's one of those topics that we just don't want to talk about, right? We say that's none of your business. My politics is none of your business. That's personal. Yeah, but it ain't private. It's not private because you live in relationships with other people. You have people, you live in community. You live on this planet and share space with the rest of us. So we can tell. You know, your politics, man, I know it's touchy. I'll just say this about your politics. When it comes to politics, your faith should inform your politics, not the other way around. So whatever it is you believe, 
Okay, whatever it is, and I'm not going to get into that with you today, but whatever it is you believe, it should, your faith should inform your politics, never the other way around. But isn't it true that politics is one of those like icky, sticky topics? Just don't. Can we not just talk? Let's not talk about that. I just don't. You know, in, in, my, in my life, and then, you know, a lot of people say, I just don't go there with people. I just try to avoid that. Here's another one. And you could probably figure out what the other one is, right? Religion. Now, much closer to what we talk about here. Religion, right? We're, we're kind of told you leave that stuff at church. Don't you bring your religion into this family. Don't bring your religion to work. Don't bring your religion into this relationship. You, know, you keep that, you keep God at the place where God should be kept, right? That's kind of what we're told. That's the vibe we're given in culture. To me, it's interesting because we live in America, right? We have laws and we have rights that have been specifically put together and written to both allow and encourage two things, freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Isn't that fascinating? In a land, in a culture, from sea to shining sea, where we tout this is a place of freedom of religion, and it is. That's why this country exists, by the way. The group of people got together and said, we want to worship God freely, so they got on a boat and, and they sailed across the ocean blue. And that's why America exists. A group of people wanted to worship God freely. We have the freedom of religion, aren't you glad? We would not be able to experience what we're experiencing right now. You would not be able to watch what you're watching right now without the freedom of religion. And on top of that, freedom of speech. I mean, we're free to talk about what we want to talk about, except for politics and religion. <laughs> Isn't that kind of the vibe? Well, you just don't go there, Pastor. You're just not supposed to go there. At work, I just can't talk about that with my friends, with my family. I, oh, yes, you can. Because we live in a world, in a country specifically, rather, where we have freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Now, that does not mean you get to be a jerk. That does not mean you get to be obnoxious. That does not mean that you get to be insensitive with how you use your freedom of speech and freedom of religion. But please note, it is there. And we need to take advantage of that opportunity. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, I just don't want to offend anybody, Pastor. I, I just don't want to offend people. Everybody gets offended, right? I'm offended, I'm offended, I'm offended. We're so afraid of offending people. Personally, I'm offended that people get offended. <laughs> right? I mean, everybody's offended. It takes nothing to offend people nowadays. And so when you drop the O word, oh, well, that's offensive. It's like shuts down the conversation. Now, again, it could be that the way you are using your freedom of speech and religion is in an offensive way because you're being a jerk. There's no excuse for that. But just because you may freely express what you think, what you believe, in hopes not to just make a statement about what you think and believe, but especially to help someone else, yeah, that's a wonderful gift. 
But we clam up and we shut up because we don't want to offend. I don't want to offend. I don't want to offend. Yeah, here's what I believe. I believe that you're not nearly as concerned about offending people as you want us to think you are. You say, well, that stuff's just personal. I just don't, I just don't talk about it. You talk about personal stuff all the time. Here's the deal. You, need to, you and I need to realize and admit we cross personal and private boundary lines all the time. We do it with, with when it comes to our health, relationships, and, and, and money. In conversations with your friends, the people in your life, people you work with, people in your family, even neighbors, sometimes even perfect strangers. If a perfect stranger walks up to you or somebody you work with and they're coughing and they're hacking and they're blowing you know, stuff out of their nose and all that and you see that they're sick, you know what you do? You know what you need to take? You, you know what you need to eat? You, know, you need to swallow this. You need to drink this. You need to rub this essential oil on the inside of your left nostril. If you'll do that while holding your right leg out like this. Personally, I'm partial to non-essential oils. So why are they essential? Anyway, if they were so essential, you know, how could we have survived without them? I know, I know, your side business, I know. I, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. I, 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 I bless your heart. I'm not saying it's all bad. And where did I get off on this stuff? But when it comes to people's health, when somebody walks in and they're coughing, sneezing, or wheezing, we just tell them, you know what you, and that's personal, that's private. I didn't ask you, right? Is it itching? <laughs> well, if it starts oozing, like, shut up, man. That's none of your business, right? But we don't care, do we? And then we say, well, I don't want to offend people. That's all right. We do the same thing with relationships. Somebody's coming up and they're talking about their husband, their wife, the boyfriend, the girlfriend, or whatever. And you say, girl, let me tell you right now what I would do. Or you'd say, dude, I'll tell you what you need to do. Well, did I ask you? Did we? No, we don't wait for an invitation. We just insert ourselves into the conversation. Money's the same way. I got money problems and I can't make ends meet and all this. I'll tell you where it went wrong. You should have never bought that. Or you should have bought this instead. Next time, listen to what I'm telling you. Go buy it from here, don't buy it. You know, come on. But when it comes to spiritual things, eternally significant things, things of God, we clam up. We shut down. You say, well, I, I, don't, I don't like to get personal. Yes, you do. See, you do it all the time. Well, you know, I just, that, that's an area of life. No, no. We need to stop buying that line and take advantage of the freedom that God has given us. Freedom of religion, freedom of speech. And when it comes to these most important things, you see the rest of that stuff is just temporary. Health is temporary. Money's temporary. Those relationship problems are all temporary. You know, job stuff, it's all temporary. And, and so we want to get, but when it comes to the most important things, eternal things, spiritual things, things where a relationship with God is the topic of conversation, we bow out. I don't know, I don't know, it's personal, I don't want to offend. Let me tell you what's more confusing to me. Let me tell you what's actually more offensive to me. Let me tell you what just doesn't make sense. Is when you and I decide to withdraw the most important things from our daily conversation. That makes no sense. 
So we'll get all personal. We'll cross the private lines and we'll get all up in somebody else's business when it comes to the things that don't matter. But when it comes to the things that matter the most, we bow out. We say, oh, that's none of my business and that's between them and God and all this kind of stuff. Really? Shouldn't be that way. To me, if it's the most important thing and if it's changed your life, it would just figure that with the relationships of the people that you care about and the people you love and the people that are in your life, that you would care enough about them to share those most important, eternally significant things. Now, I'm not suggesting that we spiritualize everything. I'm not saying everything is about Jesus and everything has to be about Jesus and everything has to have a God point and all that kind of stuff. No, I'm just saying we need to recognize that in every moment of our lives, God is continuously at work. In every moment of our lives, there is no such thing as just an ordinary moment when it comes to how God works in our lives. So to know that, to accept that, to recognize that, and to work with that, I mean, even if you're not a Christian, even if you're someone who's saying, I'm not sure what I believe, even in your life, whether you realize it or not, there's no ordinary moments. The fact that you're here right now is not coincidence. The fact that you're watching online is not just one of those, ooh, what are the chances? Ordinary moments are bigger than ordinary moments. Every moment is God continually working in our lives. And we need to start recognizing that in our relationships with other people. Let me say it like this and then I'll explain it. We need to begin to look for moments that are really opportunities. When it comes to the people in your life, remember week one, connect the purpose to your, in your life to the people in your life. Okay, connect your purpose to your people. When it comes to the relationships of the people that are in your life, you, need, you and I need to be looking for the moments, the ordinary, regular, ordinary moments that are really not just ordinary moments, they are spiritually significant opportunities because it's personal and it matters eternally it matters let me give you a snapshot of this and let me take it back to the first century and this happened all throughout the scriptures and it happens in our lives today so let me show you how these things kind of take place so you kind of see what it looks like there was a day in jesus's earthly ministry when he went to the city of capernaum and while he was there staying at this house the people in the area found out Jesus was in town. Now, by this time, Jesus's kind of reputation was preceding him and people were beginning to recognize him as somebody that was saying a lot of interesting things, controversial things, teaching some odd things, but he was a really nice guy and he was doing some incredible like miracle type things like, wow. And so this guy's very interesting and people say, some people are saying he's the son of God. He's the Messiah. Huh? So everywhere Jesus started going, people started showing up, check him out, listen for themselves. So he comes to Capernaum word on the street is Jesus is down at, you know, eight, two, eight South main street, Capernaum. And people started flocking there. They packed out the house. I mean, Jesus is eating breakfast, just minding his own business. He's finishing his cornflakes, and it's like, boom, or matzo flakes. I don't know. He's Jewish. <laughs> and, 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 and people just started packing in the house. And the scripture says that people packed the house so great 
that they couldn't even get close to the front door. People were packed in, and then they started gathering around the perimeter of the house, just trying, they're watching through windows, listening through windows, peeking through doors, you know, and they're just all crammed in, and you could tell, and everybody wanted to hear and learn from Jesus. Watch this. There were four men who arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. So you got four friends who have a fifth friend who is paralyzed, he can't walk, so they're carrying him on a mat. I assume that they each have a corner, four corners, four friends, and they're carrying him. They want to bring him to Jesus. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. Look at this. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. <laughs> Can you imagine what that was like? I mean, you're sitting there listening to Jesus. Jesus is at this climactic moment of the story. People are wiping away tears, you know, lives are being changed. And all of a sudden it's like, what in the world? And then here comes this, watch what happens. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. They dug a hole in the roof. That's determination. That's determination. Actually, Jesus saw it as something else. He saw it as faith because this is what Jesus did seeing their faith Jesus said to the paralyzed man my child your sins are forgiven wow now okay there's a lot going on in this story and we're only going to hit the highlight of just a part of the story but let me just kind of get some backstory to what else is going on here at this point when Jesus said, my child, your sins are forgiven. There were some religious teachers and Pharisees and, and you know, really churchy, 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 churchy people there that, that felt like they knew a lot and they were suspect of Jesus. They immediately started thinking to themselves, what? Only God can forgive sins. Now they didn't say it because you know they're just like us. You don't say certain things, you just think them. But here's the kicker. Jesus can read minds. And so the scriptures actually said that Jesus heard their thoughts that's why it's frustrating hanging out with Jesus. I'm telling you. Jesus heard their thoughts and turned to them and addressed their thoughts. How exposing was that? You're talking about offending somebody. Jesus didn't care. He heard what they thought. Who, who is he? Only God can forgive sins. And so Jesus addressed it. And basically what Jesus said was, well, you don't think I'm God? You don't think I can forgive sins. I'll do something in your eyes that's even more challenging than forgiving sins. I'll heal this guy. Watch this. And then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat and walked out through the stunned onlookers like, <laughs> did you just see what I saw? Yeah, I just saw it, stunned. People said, we've never seen anything like this before. Now, again, there's so much there to unpack. What I wanna do is come back to this moment that ended up being a huge opportunity. Four friends. One of them hears that Jesus is in town, which wasn't an odd thing because Jesus was just traveling all over the place and so he's in Capernaum. So Bill gets on the phone and he texts Joe. Joe, I think, I think Jesus is down the street. And then Joe texts another friend, or another friend, you know what I'm saying, texting. They contacted, I don't know how they did it. And then they all immediately thought of Kevin, their friend, who was paralyzed. I don't know if his name was Kevin. This is, just helps me internalize what's going on. He had a name, we just don't know his name. So they all get together and they're like, this is an opportunity 
for us to help our friend. Because we don't know, we don't know what this Jesus guy is all about. But if he is who he said he is, then he can help our friend. And so you know the rest of the story. We just read it. And they took their friends. You see, you got four friends who had someone in their life who was going through a difficult moment. And they saw this moment as not just an ordinary moment. They saw this moment as an opportunity for eternally significant things to happen. And ultimately, not only did Jesus change his life spiritually, but Jesus changed his life physically. Jesus won up to the whole thing. He blew their mind. What Jesus did. So they looked for moments that were opportunities and they took the opportunity that looked like an ordinary moment and spiritually significant things happened. Here's the deal. You and I are surrounded every day with ordinary opportunity, I mean, ordinary moments that are not just ordinary moments, they are opportunities. Every day with the people that you do life with, with your family, with your friends, people in the neighborhood, especially people you work and you spend so much time with. All of these ordinary moments, and you just pass each other in the hallway, you know, and you just in and out of these conversations. Good things are happening, bad things are happening, and you're just talking about this, and you're talking about that, and you and I go in and out of these moments all the time without recognizing what we're doing is passing up awesome opportunities for God to use us to do some great things in people's lives. To love them, to encourage them, to give them hope, to offer them grace to serve them, to listen to them, to just be a friend to them in a place like we'll talk about next week. This is very lonely. This world is a lonely place. Even though we're surrounded with people, how many of us feel alone? And it could be as simple as a conversation. It can be as simple as you meeting a need in their life or as simple as you saying, hey, why don't you come to church with me next week? Because I think it may encourage you. You know, I'm fascinated by the fact that most of the stories of life change that you hear about, and even your own, involve an ordinary moment that became more than an ordinary moment. Now, you didn't know it in the moment. In the moment, you just thought it was a moment. But because someone in your life took advantage of that moment and encouraged you and loved you and helped you and served you and came alongside of you and was a friend to you, that moment became an eternally significant opportunity. So now you look back in your life and you hear their story and they describe these pivotal, life-changing moments and then I met her and then he called me and then this happened and they came into my life and then they told me and you fill in the blank. Ordinary moments that really become pivotal moments because they're seen as opportunities. You have people in your life and moments between you all the time that are really opportunities. Again, well, you know, that's personal and I don't want to. No, 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 no. You get up all in their health business, in their relationship business, in their money business, and all of that's temporary. And you have freedom of speech and freedom of religion. Don't climb up now. Look for an opportunity to let God use you to help them. You say, well, I, I don't know. All you got to do is just be you. Just be you. Because see, there's bad stuff that happens that are actually opportunities. You're surrounded with people who are hurting, questioning, confused, they're overwhelmed because someone in their life died. Someone in their life is sick or maybe they just found out they lost a job. 
now they're unemployed, or maybe they're having financial problems, or maybe they just found out that their spouse wants a divorce or some other tragedy. See, we're surrounded with people all the time where this stuff is happening and they talk about it and they say, this happened, this happened, this happened. You see, that's not just an ordinary moment. That's an opportunity. And sometimes it's good things. Sometimes it's good things that are happening. People are entering a new season of life or a new change or something great has happened like they just graduated from college or they just got engaged and they're gonna get married or they just bought a house or they're getting ready to have a baby. And those are not just ordinary moments, those are unbelievable opportunities for you to enter the moment and for God to use you greatly. Maybe they just moved to the area they knew and they don't know anybody, now they know you. It's not just a moment. It's a significant opportunity. Let me give you some specific things to think about. When you hear these phrases, these ought to be keys. These ought to tip you off to what's going on. When you hear someone in your life say, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. I just don't know what I'm going to do. And then they explain it. Or they go on and on and on and on and on and they end it with, I just don't know what I'm going to do. You have just entered into a not so ordinary moment. That is an opportunity for you to respond. Now, your response should not be as the know-it-all, I'll tell you what to do. No, no, no. You listen, and there's an opportunity to care for someone, to be a friend to someone, to let God use you in their life. Or maybe they say stuff like, I'm so worried, and they describe why they're worried, or why they're angry, or I'm so hurt, or I'm so confused. When people say that, and they say it all the time, that's an opportunity. You know, we don't know the kind of conversation that was happening between these four friends and their paralyzed buddy. We don't know how long he'd been paralyzed. We don't know if he was born that way or if he'd had an accident. We don't know. There's a lot we don't know there. But we know that they were in a relationship enough to have had talked about this predicament before. How can we help him? How can we help him? I wish we could help him. I wish there was something we could do. I wish. And then the moment Jesus came to town, they were like, yeah, that's an opportunity. And sometimes it's a good thing. And they say, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And they tell you why they're excited. That's an opportunity for you to celebrate with them and for God to use you to encourage them in a significant way. Or they'll say, guess what? That's a powerful question because you know what always happens after someone says, guess what? They tell you what. <laughs> it's a gimme. Guess what? What? And together you enter into a moment. That's much more than just a moment. Personally, when I am in a conversation with someone, and you, you got to know, I, don't, I, I try to keep the fact that I'm a pastor on the down low. You know, I'm just a normal guy with a weird job, you know kind of thing. And so I don't lead into conversations and say, Hey, I'm pastor Robbins, you know, and I try to, I try to wear, you know, normal clothes and all that kind of stuff and just do normal things because I'm normal mostly. And when I meet people, I, I do this very same thing. And when I hear someone talk about cancer, depression, anxiety, to me, that's, that's not just an ordinary moment because I have experience with those things personally. And so I can listen 
and then enter into that moment, and that moment often becomes a great opportunity for me to encourage them, to let them know they're not the only one, that I get it, you're right, it's tough, but there's hope and there's help. I've been there, and now I'm doing so much better. And often, not always, but often, it'll be like, you know what, why don't you come to church with me this weekend? Because we're talking about something that I think will help you. And it may not help you, okay, it may not, and maybe, and I know that's a lot to just kind of throw out there, but just saying, the offer's out there. Like, I don't know about church thing. Okay, you just watch online. Because then you can just kind of, from a distance, and you won't have to, you know. And sometimes it's a positive. I'll be talking to people and they'll say, hey, we just moved to the area. Or, hey, we just got married. Or, hey, we just had a baby. Or, hey, you know, life's kind of crazy. We got these kids. And I'm like, hey, you know what? You know what I think would be cool? I think, you know what I think your kids would love? I think your kids would love it. I, I go to a church not too far from where you live. It's just a couple miles down the road. And we do some incredible things for kids that I think your kids would absolutely love. You guys ought to come check it out. Or, hey, you getting married? Or you're, you're new to the area. You don't have any friends. You need some friends. <laughs> you know what? There's a lot of people that I know that I think would make great friends. You got to come check it out. It's just stuff like that. Or, hey, can I encourage you? Hey, can I say something today to, to try to lift your load a little bit? And, and you just share. And it's not about you and I pushing religion down people's throats. And it's not about us being the answer guy. Please don't come across as the answer guy. Well, I know. Well, I can help you. You know, no, no. People, there's already a savior and we ain't it. Okay? So we don't, we don't need to swoop in as the know-it-all, I got it together and all that kind of thing. All we need to do is be building relationships with people so we can help point them to who the savior is. Just share, share your story. Just say, hey, listen, man, I, I tell you what, let me just tell you what happened to me. I, I know what you're going through. Let me tell you, what, let me just share real quick. This is what happened to me. Tell them what happened to you. You never know. What God might do when you find that common ground like we talked about last week together. The problem is, is that we often stop short of seizing the moment of looking for moments as opportunities. We, we, we stop short of seizing the opportunities that those average moments provide for us. You and I have got to start looking at it differently. When someone says how bad their life is going, don't just stop with, man, that's too bad. Sucks being you. No. How many times have we like, man, I'm sorry about that. And we go on with our lives. Man, I'm so sorry about that. And sometimes we'll almost go there and you're like, man, I know, I get it. Tell me about it. And we go on. Stop. That's a moment. That's really an opportunity. And listen to them. Offer help to them. If nothing else, invite them to church. Or if something good is happening, go take it a step further and not just say, hey man, good for you. Engage and enter into that moment. You might be thinking, well, all my people already go to church. Well, you need some new people. You need some new people. You need some people that God wants to use you in their life. And it's not just about inviting them to church. That's just a simple. I'm trying to make it real easy and simple for you to see. Who knows how God will use your story in their life, how you will be able to see God connect your purpose to your people. As that common ground is developed and you look at this moment as an opportunity. Worst case scenario, what's the worst thing that could happen if you do this? What's the worst thing that could happen? 
they get offended, well, then you apologize and you move on. There, was that so bad? What if you upset them? Then you apologize. I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm sorry for offending you. Worst thing, worst thing that could happen. At least, check this out, at least, even if that does happen, they know you are someone that they might be able to come to when life crisis hits them in the mouth. You know what, I remember that guy, he invited me to church. Maybe, he's, maybe he has an inside track on maybe how I can get some answers in my life. Maybe, maybe he can help. Maybe she can, maybe she knows something. Maybe, and you never know when that may come back around at a different time. And that moment that you thought was just a moment that kind of turned awkward moment, God ends up blowing up into an eternally significant opportunity, not just for them, but for you as well. It could be that this opportunity becomes a catalytic moment in their life and God uses you to change them forever. Somewhere under the sound of my voice right now is a first time guest, maybe a non-Christian that's going, Oh, that's why they invited me. <laughs> yep, I just blew the cover. But here's the deal. If you don't like it, you don't have to come back. But look at it like this. At least somebody cared enough about you to share something very personal and to step over what we have said is out of bounds. You don't go there. They were gutsy enough to step into an icky, sticky area and care enough for you and love you enough and respect you enough to invite you into a life-changing experience that they themselves have had. I think if you look at it like that, I'd feel honored. Even if you have to agree to disagree at the end of the day, I would feel honored as a human being that someone cared enough for me to include me into something that is the most important thing in their lives, much more important than politics, much more important than money and just surfacy relationships and jobs and health, much more important. They looked at this moment as something bigger than a moment. They saw it as an opportunity. Hey, listen, we need to become spiritual opportunists. And all around you, my prayer this week is that you'll be in moment after moment after moment and somehow in some supernatural way, and I don't want to get all spooky on you, but I'm asking God to tap us on the shoulder and go, Psst, hey, that's an opportunity. Yeah, slow down, slow down. Go back, go back, go back, go back. Don't rush through this. Here's a, here's a moment that's bigger than this moment. And I'm praying that you will have those in your family. You will have those in your neighborhood and you will have them at work. We have been gifted with the freedom of speech and the freedom of religion. Let's not be backed into a corner and made to think and believe we can't talk about the most important thing there is. It's personal, but it ain't private. So share, just share what's happening to you and let God use you take ordinary moments and turn them into powerful, eternally significant opportunities. Let me pray for you. Father, we need your wisdom 
to see these moments. The wisdom to slow down enough to enter the moment and allow you to create an incredibly, eternally significant, life-changing opportunity for the people we are in relationships with, the people that we love, the people we care about, the people who you've brought into our lives and you've brought us into their lives. Not for the heck of it, but for a purpose. And we connect our purpose with our people when we seize these ordinary moments as great opportunities to have a conversation and to listen and to care and to be positive and to encourage and even to invite people to join us as we learn about you together. It's so cool to see how four friends took an opportunity, took advantage of a moment to make it an opportunity in their friend that was spiritually in need and physically in need, life was changed. That opportunity is all around us. May we see it and seize it. In Jesus' name, amen.